1: it's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. And one way to be more successful is to ask questions. Here's phone number, 404-872-0750. Coming up in the next half hour, Thomas and Snellville says daylilies are not blooming this year. They're seven years old, still not blooming. Jimmy and Conyers has a red bud that didn't leaf out normally. Joe is swiney, has aphids and whiteflies and things like his azaleas and shrubs. But Sandy from Kennesaw joins us right now with her question about her marigolds. Hey, Sandy, good morning.
2: Hi, Walter, good morning. Good morning. Um, I've got a mildewy fungus on my marigold plants, and it just seems to be the marigolds. i got vincas and other flowers planted uh, next to them that are fine. Is, is it on it, the
1: leaves or on the flowers?
2: It's on the leaves.
1: So what does it I, look like? Give me more symptoms.
2: It's, um, it looks like a, a, a white frosting on um, covering the leaves.
1: Well, powdery mildew is a pretty common disease right now, so I'm thinking powdery mildew is my first theory.
2: I went to Pike's, and she told me that um, it was in the soil, not the plant, and she told me to use infuse. Which I did, and, and I'm not really noticing a difference.
1: I think Infuse is useful against powdery mildew, but powdery mildew is not in the soil, quote unquote. It is a it's a fungal spore. It's a parasitic fungus that gets hmm. on the surface of leaves of dogwoods and crepe myrtles and flocks, and in your case, uh, marigold. But the the powdery stuff that you see on top of the leaves. One of the ways to control it is with a fungicide like infuse or with an oil like neem oil, one or the other of those. It stops the powdery stuff from forming. So that's yeah, I've, been
2: using, I've been using the neem oil as well, and mm-hmm. I've, just, I've really not noticed any huge improvement. Do I just need to pull them up and put something else in there, or should I just keep sticking it out?
1: You know, they're not expensive, Sandy. I'd pull them up and plant something else. Okay. <laughs> so, that's what I would do.
2: All uh, right. Well, the, that's what I was wondering.
1: In any case, the mer- the um, powdery mildew is best controlled by prevention rather than by trying to treat it after you see it. And so okay. if you have the mildew on leaves right now, you either grin and bear it, or you try to put some stuff on there now that will keep new foliage from getting it, or make a, make a note in your calendar for next year before the leaves really start growing vigorously. To put the uh, fungicide or the neem oil on, then. But powdery mildew is just very common in the early part of the summer when you have relatively cool nights and relatively warm days. That's when powdery mildew develops, and it is, like I say, on dogwoods, crepe myrtles. I see it commonly everywhere right now.
2: Okay. All right. She did tell me it was hard to get rid of. So, all right. I just wanted to know if I, when I pull them up, do I need to do anything to the soil to prevent? No. I mean, new. So it is ex, just the actual plant.
1: Yeah, it's on the plant. So okay. one of the interesting all things right. about powdery mildew is the mildews that affect each one. Each one of the plants, the crepe myrtle and the dogwood that I mentioned, it's a different species of mildew from the one that gets on your marigolds. And so, okay. if you plant some other plant other than marigold in that place, they're very likely not going to get the mildew at all.
2: All right, I got it. All well, right. thank you very much for your yes.
1: help. Great talking to you, Sandy. Thanks for calling. We've got, let's see, Jimmy is out in Conyers. Hey, Jim, good morning.
3: Morning, how are you?
1: Doing very well. How can I help?
3: I have this, uh, it's a redbud tree that I planted about a year ago. And uh, this year, um, there are no leaves on the, on the branches of the tree, but uh, I guess uh, about, I'm looking at it now, there's about two feet up from the the ground on the trunk there's there's leaves growing everywhere
1: huh but it's dead above that point you don't see anything above that two feet from the ground
3: Mm -mm. no it's a kind of crazy looking i didn't know if i should uh plant something else or well i
1: have a had the almost exactly exact same experience with my red bud jimmy this uh was back in the mid part of May, I guess, I have a forest pansy, purple-leafed redbud and a prominent part of my landscape. And I looked at it and I thought, man, it doesn't have many leaves on it. What is wrong with you? And in a day or two, I went and looked more closely at the trunk and I saw the toothpicks, the little things that look like blonde toothpicks coming out of the trunk. And that's the common symptom of a bug called Asian Ambrosia Beetle. And sure enough, it went ahead and just died by the uh, last week of May, I guess. It was almost completely leafless, and I got the kids that helped me do landscape around the yard. We all cut it up and pulled it down, and that was the end of that. So it is possible that you had the Asian ambrosia beetle, when they infect a tree, the part above their, their attack point dies. And red buds are pretty good about re-sprouting. you cut a bud down, you always get five or ten little sprouts that come up around the roots. And so your redbud may be just sprouting again after the top died.
3: Huh. Well, uh, so you think I should uh, maybe maybe I should dig it up and then put something else? Yeah, there.
1: my like with Sandy and her marigolds, Jimmy. I think it's not going to recover. It's not <laughs> going to get any any healthier and more leaves at the top. And if the bottom, of those little sprouts that come at the bottom are not going to really look great. So you could keep them if you want to and see what you can make out of them, but. Honestly, the best thing to do is probably dig it up and put another one in.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I guess, I guess that's what I'll do then. Uh, I appreciate the, uh, the advice. Of course, the best
1: time to plant is in the fall. So, for right now, just uh, dig it up and have a blank space in the landscape. And, and let's say, September would be a good time to think about planting something else in this, in this spot.
3: Should I do anything about the... If, I don't know if there are any of uh, those bugs in the ground. No, or, they're not in the
1: ground. They fly from... Not miles away, but at least a quarter mile away, somebody else has a tree or a crepe myrtle or something that commonly gets the Asian ambrosia beetle, and they fly in February usually, and oh. so it's not something you can do much to prevent. You sure can't.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate the advice. It's Good
1: talking to you, Jimmy. Thanks, Thanks for calling. Bye bye. We've got let's see, Joe. No, not Joe. Thomas goes first. Thomas in Snellville. What's wrong with those daylilies, Thomas?
4: I don't know. That's why I called you. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, that. <laughs> this, uh, earlier this spring, I fertilized the daylilies and the hydrangeas, which sit about 18 inches behind the daylilies with right. some 10-10-10. Hydrangeas came up. They've got more blooms than they've ever had. Awesome. The day lilies, I had a whole lot of green growth in the spring, and then no blooms, and all the foliage is just laid over flat, kind of like a cat made a uh, – like a cat mm. made a uh, a nest in the in the daylilies.
1: Now that sounds like crown rot. When you have leaves what? that rot at the base as they lay down, that would be my first thing to think about. So homework for you: go out and look at the base of the plant and see if you see little white eh, mycelia, the little white balls that, is, that seem to be associated with crown rot. It's a fun- it's a fungus that attacks the base of the plant. If you can pull okay. the leaves up pretty easily from the ground where they've rotted off at the ground level, that would be a pretty confirming symptom, it seems to me. And most of the time, if this is crown rot, which we have it surely established, but if it is, it's usually associated with too much water. If there's some, something that holds water or water running across the leaves or something like that, it would be my first thing to investigate.
4: Okay, well, all this water we had this spring sure wouldn't have helped that. Yeah. Okay, uh, so at that point, what? Dig them up and replace yeah, them. Yeah, dig or... them
1: up, replace. You may find if you if you do decide to dig them up, you may find there are a bunch of roots that look pretty good, have not seemed to have much rot on them, and if that's the case, I would re- replant them. But if you dig up roots that's sort of smelly and soft and mushy, you know you're not going to plant, going to do anything with them but throw them away. So we just to find out what happens, what looks like good, what looks like bad when you dig it up.
4: Sounds like a lot of work, Walter. Are you going to come out and help
1: me? know. <laughs> my specialty is telling other people what to do, Tom. <laughs> okay. Then I go home. Thanks, man. I go home. All right. Thanks,
4: man. All appreciate
0: right. Let's we'll see. Right.
1: Right. No, Joe, 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 Joe's next in line. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, Joe. Yeah. Hey, uh, I've
0: got a uh, loan service and they come by now trying to sell me shrub service, but, uh, Apparently, I need it. I want to see better. <laughs> I can handle it myself. They like wow. said I've got aphids and leaf beetles and white flies and <laughs> insect problems. They claim I have disease problems of uh, leaf spots, powdery
1: mildew, mm. rust, and holes. Well, I'd move away, Joe.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I think you have a- <laughs> my easier. Yeah. all those problems you have. So you got yeah. azaleas, and what other kind of shrubs do you have?
0: Uh, you know, it's a Bush with a, a long green, well, green leaf But I don't know what it's called to be honest with you right. um, But it's shrubs and azaleas And my shrubs have, they need to have been pruned back They're kind of growing together mm. but I don't think I can prune those now, can I?
1: Well, depends. it depends on what the shrub is And when it blooms and that sort of thing I think the first thing we need to do really, Joe Is to figure out what you have And both the shrub, the name of the shrub, and the actual physical, what insects or disease is affecting them. And just speculating and saying, oh, they might have aphids or they might have white flies, they might have lace bugs, they might have this and that and that, doesn't give me enough to really recommend anything for you to do other than, Binds some identification So here's your homework On my website, you know, there's a button for name that plant But it also is name that insect or name that bug or name that disease too So you can take some pictures and upload it to my website And I will look at it and tell you what you have Both to identify the shrubbery And if I see disease or insect on it I'll tell you what the disease or insect is and what to do about it
0: Oh, beautiful Outstanding. All, all, right. I need,
1: all I need is a picture. I need some pictures that are pretty close, in focus. Let, let me know what it is. Okay. That sounds good. I appreciate the help much, as always. All right. Joe, it was great talking to you. Thank you. you we'll see you soon. at seven eighteen, and we'll be back after this.
0: This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News, on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need.
2: is good to me. You know she's happy as can be. You know she said so. I'm in love with you. she's mine, you know, she tells me all the time, you know,
1: she said so. And a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today's sun and clouds, possibly stray storm here and there. High of 89, low of 71. And tomorrow, about the same, cloudy, sunny, and high of 91, low of 72. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 9 and cloud 5 and AM 750 WSB. Ron in Norcross joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ron, good morning.
4: Good morning. How are you? I'm well, Ron. What's up? Okay. I've got three Japanese maples that I've had for about 10 years, I guess, planted yeah. in a row in my yard. But one of them, suddenly, all the leaves have turned brown, mm-hmm. and I've scratched the the uh, branch, still green. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out why all of a sudden one of them. The leaves have turned brown.
1: I've got my friend Kay over in North Atlanta who would who sent me a picture of her Japanese maple two weeks ago, Ron. Same thing. Pretty Japanese maple been in the ground 10, 15 years, I guess. All of a sudden, boom. Nothing but brown yeah. leaves, all of it wilted and brown. They hung onto the branches too. They didn't fall. They hung on the branches.
4: Right. They're and still there.
1: So I got her to take her smartphone and go outside and do a little FaceTime conversation. And I went out with her and I said, now point it down at the base of the tree. And she did. And Ron, you heard me with the caller a little while ago talk about Asian ambrosia beetles. That is exactly what we saw on the trunk of her Japanese maple, little toothpicks coming out of the trunk. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Go look at your one that's turned brown and look at the trunk within a couple of feet of the ground and look for the little blonde toothpicks that come sticking out of the trunk where the female beetle shoves the sawdust out behind her. And if you have Asian ambrosia beetle, that is the cause. That's what it, the symptom looks like. All of a sudden, turn brown.
4: And the only thing to do is
0: dig it up and throw it away?
1: As I told the guy with the redbud, sometimes trees will sprout out below the point of the, of the attack, but on a Japanese maple... that's going to look ugly, and if it's grafted, it's going to be the rootstock that comes up, very likely dig it up and throw it away, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I guess I'll say goodbye to that Japanese maple. Go
1: look, though, Ron. We want to find out what went wrong. And if you don't see symptoms of Asian and beetle, maybe it was something else. Nothing that you said has given me another symptom to hang my hat on. But just think about the beetles and the toothpaste little tiny holes. The holes would be barely an, eighth oh, an inch wide. Yeah, I know what they look like. Okay, so look for that. If you see them, then you got it, you know what it is, and I would dig it up and replace it.
4: Okay. I All hate right. to lose a 12-foot tall plant. Gosh, but-
1: I do too. Yeah, you don't want that. But if it doesn't have any green leaves on it right now, Ron, it is dead. It's not going to come back.
4: Yeah, I think it's. Passed on to another world.
1: Yes, indeed. Nothing but standing firewood right now. Okay. All right. All right. right. You take care. You bet. You, th- you too. Thanks for calling. My number is 404 I'm Walter Reed, and I have answer questions every Saturday morning from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., about anything you want to talk about about the gardening, about your landscape, about bug control, organic gardening, anything like that, bring it on four o four eight seven two 735 on a Saturday morning, 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. You can ask me any question you like. And particularly, we would like beginning gardener questions. If you have a beginner question, if you've never gardened before and just have an idea of something you'd like to do, we'd love to hear from you because every Saturday morning, Ashley thinks or picks two or three, maybe, of the most beginner sort of understandable questions that we can get to real quickly and get into the sort of reason why we do it that way. That's called a beginner gardener question, and we put it on a particular podcast every week so that you can listen to it and just hear the, the highlights of the show. So if you have a beginner gardener question, we'd love to hear from you, 404-872-0750. Let's see, Matt and Tyrone joins us first. Hey, Matt, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? Hey, just fine, Matt. What's up?
4: Hey, um, I, um, I'm a beginner. I've never had really a lawn or, or acreage or anything. But anyway, yeah. we just bought recently bought a house in the last year. Great. Uh, beautiful cypress trees. At least that's what I'm told they are. Um, they're dying, I, I can only assume. Two. Uh, one fell into the other one, so we had cut that. Um, and it uprooted the other one a little bit, so we cut that down. A tree company come by and said, well, you got a fungus. We can cut that down for, you know thousands of dollars i was oh, like ah. yeah right yeah so i was like yeah i don't think so i told my father-in-law he's a very industrious man so we went out there last weekend and cut uh got down the one tree that's that starting to uproot um uh, so now we have eight and my question is he, he said we had a fungus uh, the tree guy yeah so the top of the trees are green they're beautiful but midway and down is just all dead which we Ah. cut all that uh, dead wood off. We're going to chip it today, but how do you stop the fungus if that's what it is?
1: If indeed, this is Leland cypress, and it sounds like that's what you have. is Leland cypress. They get three common diseases, all of which are basically cankers. There's Bostrosphaeria canker, there's Ceridium canker, and there's one more that's not exactly a canker, but behaves like one. And all of them, frankly, are not preventable or controllable other than with manipulation of the environment. And this is what I mean. If you have a well watered, well taken care of, healthy Leland cypress, they rarely get anything. On the other hand, if somebody 20 years ago planted that Leland cypress mat and didn't take a lot of care to soften the soil around it so the roots didn't really go out very far so that during the summertime they don't get enough water, they don't get quite enough anchoring, they don't get quite enough nutrients, then eventually the tree becomes susceptible to the various lesion cypress diseases, the cankers and stuff. And when those okay. cankers get started, you can't stop them. They just want to keep going on the plant. So there's one that goes up and out, another, the tips of the branches turn brown and it goes in. And so knowing what you have, that's one thing, but knowing what to do to stop it is another thing completely. So you're right. First thing to do is to cut out the branches and limbs that are brown. They're not going to come back. So I might as well go ahead and cut them and chip them. If the top looks green, and if you can remember to maybe put a irrigation line, maybe one of those little drip hoses you make out of black rubber, you know, and run it yeah, down yeah. one side, then back the others down the other side of your remaining eight Leland cypress to make sure that when it gets dry, they get watered. Because I think my okay. bet is your root system is not very adequate. That's why one of them uprooted. One of them blew over, you said, and you had to cut that one right. down. And so I think the root system is what is the real problem here is it wasn't planted correctly many years ago before you got the house. All you can do at this point is to chip off the, the take off the brown limbs, water, keep them as strong as you can, and then plant something underneath that hides the ugly trunk if you want to mm-hmm. hide it and make it green down there. And there are lots, right. of shrubs, lots of shrubs you can plant underneath. If it's in shade, you can put hydrangeas. If it's not in shade, you can put various other things there. So that's, I think, your choice. And I think you're going in the right direction by taking the brown limbs off. So now we just figure out what we're going to plant to, to hide the brown part of the trunk.
4: <laughs> hey now, so I'm gonna chip them today. Yeah. Um, get some mulch. Now, is that mulch infected? Where I can't put it somewhere where it's gonna pass a disease onto my my uh, 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 rose bushes, uh, flowers, whatever.
1: The best place you can put it is underneath the Leland cypress because it does not it's not infected with anything, and it won't make the tree sicker or anything. But it will help to hold the moisture in, which is what you want. You want them right. to be cool. You want the roots to be. Uh, well, uh, irrigated. So, yeah, I would chip them up and use the chips as a mulch underneath the Lelands.
4: I keep under the trees. Okay. Yeah. Cool beans. Thank All you so right. much, sir. Yeah, it's
1: great talking to you, Matt. Thanks for calling.
4: You bet. Have a great day.
1: Kevin is in Cartersville. Hey, Kevin. Good morning.
0: Hey, good morning, Walter. Hey, listen, I have um, we moved into a house about five or six years ago, but there is a, I guess, an easement tree line
1: yeah
0: it separates a couple pieces of property on that tree line i noticed when we moved in there was a handful of bamboo trees well i guess starting maybe last summer yeah maybe the summer before that i started noticing a few of them have crept into the back corner of my yard and huh. now they're getting more and more
1: of <laughs> yeah
0: um i understand that these are kind of like a grass or a weed because i keep hmm. cutting one down and three of them will pop back up yeah they're right how do i stop
1: Oi. So bamboo, yes, is a grass. It's a kind of grass, so they behave like grasses. They have underground roots called rhizomes, and in your situation, Kevin, it is tough to control bamboo once it gets started good. And the, oy, the strategy, I guess, for keeping bamboo out of your property, off of your landscape, is to first stop it from coming from other people's property. did you say that the bamboo that originally came into your property is owned by someone else is it did I understand that correctly
0: uh, yeah I don't know if it's actually oh it's like a it's like a easement. You know, there's power lines that that separate
1: yeah. between us and the next of land okay this. Well still the law sol- the first thing to do is make a barrier that it can't cross how wide how long do you think this piece of bamboo is that's coming over into your property is it Five feet wide, twenty feet wide. How much bamboo do you have coming over?
0: Um, maybe about ten foot wide of it, and there's I don't know, maybe a dozen, dozen and a half main ones that were back there right. on the other side of our fence. There's a there's a fence, and then it's our backyard is encased by about thirty foot tall eucalyptus yeah.
1: All right. Here's here's what I think you need to do. And frankly, you're in a reasonably good position right now to stop the bamboo. You need to rent a trencher, a ditch, which is one brand name. The are other brand names too, but you rent a trencher and run it down the property line and run it as deep as it will go, as deep as that bar will go down in the ground. And it'll uh-huh. uproot all sorts of bamboo roots as so they have traveled from the adjoining property onto your property. There's lots of bamboo oh, so roots. Oh, they're coming from
0: underground.
1: Yeah, sure they are. Oh, but wow. you can say so that's underground, it's where you have to stop them. And so once you've made a trench as deep as you possibly can, Get a barrier material. It can be made out of rubber. This is one product that's very heavy-duty, thick rubber. Another one could be sheet aluminum, as long as it's wide enough to fit down in your trench and go all the way to the bottom of the trench. It needs to be at least 24 inches deep. That's how deep I would try to make your trench because roots don't get any deeper. I don't think it's 24 inches. And leave a little bit of the barrier sticking above ground so you can sort of see where it is and they can't go over the barrier as well. Now you've got it isolated. One part is on your property. One part is on the adjoining property. Everybody else's bamboo you don't care about. The stuff is on your property. We start whacking at it real good with a chainsaw, machete, whatever you got to cut down every one of the stems of bamboo. And then anytime you see a leaf or anything sprout up, cut it down too. You can spray with Roundup if you want to. You can cut it down on a machete if you want to. You can mow it if you want to. Whatever keeps all the leaves off the roots, and you need to do that for at least a year to try to starve the roots by cutting off the leaves. By doing that, hopefully you'll have on your property no bamboo on the other property, let it go all it wants to somewhere else.
0: So there's so there's like a main root system that's coming from other trees? You bet. Us?
1: you bet. It's coming underground. That's how bamboo spreads, mostly is by underground rhizomes, underground wow. roots.
0: Wow, okay. I was afraid of. That's what I've been reading. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it gives
1: me a a weekend project. Oh, more than a weekend, Kevin. Oh, my friend. (laughs) Oh, okay. It'll take a while. But the rubber stuff, if you go online and look for a bamboo barrier, there are a couple of companies around online that sell the real thick rubber stuff and have some Uh videos of how to install it. That's one way to find out what you need to do.
0: Very good. Well, I appreciate the advice.
1: All right. See you soon, Kevin. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. See you. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is my number. Let's go to Ben in McDonough. Hey Ben, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you doing? Hey, fine, Ben. What's up?
0: Um, so I'm growing cucumbers for the first time of growing anything in a garden, and yeah. I started them in Dixie cups and got them going, and I got them in the ground now, and I made them a nice bed and raised bed, put a few bags of garden soil in there after I chilled up the ground and loose it up, mixed it all up.
1: Sounds good. I'm doing
0: well. I got my first few. Cucumbers. I got one that I'm my first one is going to come off the vine this afternoon. But on some of the leaves, I have like a white dust accumulating. Uh I can take my finger and rub at it and it'll come off. Yeah. But I was just wondering what that was and if it was going to harm them in the long run.
1: It will in the long run, in the long run, will harm them. It is powdery mildew and very, very common on cucumbers, melons, squash, what else is it? Gourds. Um, and fortunately, if you're just noticing it now, Ben, you have a way of controlling it that will helpfully, hopefully protect those leaves that come on the cucumber as the vine elongates for the rest of the summer and gives you more cucumbers. The key is okay. to spray only on the leaves, not on the flowers, because the flowers are what makes you a cucumber. You don't want to hurt the bees and the insects that pollinate. So on the leaves themselves, spray neem, N-E-E-M, neem oil. You can get a little bottle that you spray with a trigger and get that from a nursery, get some neem oil spray, spray the leaves that are newly emerged on the vine, and that helps to prevent the powdery mildew fungus from getting a start and getting onto the leaves and causes them to wilt.
0: Okay. Um, would that fungus have started? I would usually water in the evening. Would water it in the morning be better?
1: Or? Water in the morning is always better because it gives it a chance for the leaves of any plant to dry off before evening comes. For lawns, for squash, okay. for cucumbers, for just about anything. It's a lot better to water in the morning than in the evening. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. Well, we'll change watering time and get some of that. You said
1: neem? Neem. N-E-E-M. Neem oil. Neem. And- Okay, thank you, sir. You bet, Ben. Thanks for calling. Great question. Coming up in the next half hour, Chris in Sugar Hill has Kudzu climbing up the trees. Dan in Atlanta has Virginia Creeper climbing up his ivy. Mike in McDonough has uh, blueberries he wants to propagate. And Jeff in Dunwoody says, my arugula just doesn't taste right. 404-872-0750 is my number. We'll be back after this.
0: This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves.
1: And a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing today, sunny, cloudy. cloudy. Possibly a combination of the two, possibly a stray thunderstorm here and there. High of 89, low of 71. Tomorrow, same, pretty much forecast, partly sunny, partly cloudy. High of 91, low of 72. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mike and McDonough next. Hey, Michael, good morning.
5: Hey, how's it going? I had a blueberry question, but follow up on the cucumber guy. My problem sure. with cucumbers is I get the worms that dig the small holes into the cucumbers. Is there anything organic I can use to treat that?
1: Goes into the cucumber fruit, you mean?
5: Correct, yes.
1: Yo, that's hard because the the worm that gets into the fruit worm that gets into squash. Bores into the squash right during the time that the plant is blooming and the flowers are falling off. So there's a lot of sort of insecticide, insect, insect activity, pollinator activity around the flowers of the fruit. Hey, what am I going to tell Mike to do?
5: Same bug. gets in squash, drills the holes in squash as well.
1: Uh, yeah, both of them are fruit worms. Um, if you are really, really careful. I will let you spray some Spinosad, some Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. I've mentioned it to another caller. Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. As soon as you see a little squash forming, as soon as it's barely an inch or two long, paint...
5: Cucumber, you sp- mean?
1: Yeah. yeah, cucumber or squash, either one. Okay. So paint some of the Spinosad on the fruit and on particularly the part that's uh, attached to the the stem of the fruit, in other words. It's the part that's attached to the vine. And that hopefully will kill the fruit worm before it goes into the fruit. I don't like spraying, again, because I don't want to kill the pollinators. So let's paint right. spinosad. It's organic. It's a good insecticide. And if you paint it onto the fruit with a little paintbrush that you spray with uh Captain Jack's Dead Bud Brew, I think that would keep the fruit worm out of your squash and cucumbers.
5: Do I have to reapply after rain?
1: Yeah, I would apply it every seven days or so.
5: And But the Captain Jack, it won't hurt pollinators, will it? Oh, uh, can you?
1: It's an uh, insecticide. Well, okay. Even though it's organic, it still kills all the insects. Okay. In insecticide. What about your blueberry, though, Mike?
5: Um, yeah, I have a, a prized premier blueberry that I know. Normally, blueberries uh, propagate by making shoots come up, yeah. and after about five years, you cut out the old ones, and it theoretically it'll last forever. Yeah, but this this bush doesn't. Make any upshoots and it's my, mm. you know, it produces three times as much as the other ones. And I just can I clone it with some, you know, cuttings or something? You
1: can. Why not go buy one from somebody else that's done all the work of propagating the blueberry? Why not get a new one or shrub that's already started?
5: Uh, just because, like I said, this one makes three times more than the other ones. And I just, I don't know what's special about it. But uh, yeah.
1: is it, do you know the, the variety? Is it a premiere? It's a
5: premiere. Okay. Rabbit eye.
1: I yeah. would think that you could buy one from nurseries around. Of course, uh, Bottoms Nursery is not too far from your Bottoms Nursery over in Concord, Georgia, has blueberries. Uh, Pike, of course, here in Atlanta has lots of blueberries for sale. Um, so I would look at least and see if you can find one where they've already done three years of work and buy it for 10 or $15. It's a lot less work to plant and Good strawberry in a pot than it is to try to propagate it. They can be propagated pretty easily. Like I say, usually from shoots that come up beside the shrub. Yours had not done that yet. So the technique, I don't have a lot of time. In fact, I don't have any time right now to give the whole thing, Mike. But if you go to my website and just type propagation, there's a whole two or three pages of how different ways of propagating shrubs. So that's what you want. There's air layering, there is propagated by tip cuttings, and sometimes propagated by root cuttings as well. And I think on a blueberry, the easiest thing for you to do is either air layering, so look for that, or by tip cuttings. When now is the right time to do that, too, to take cuttings about eight inches long, put them in a, in a container, and cover that with some plastic to make a little greenhouse and let them root in that between now and mm, September or so is when you make roots. So, since I don't have a lot of time, Mike, I'll just refer you to my website, propagation or propagate shrubs, and I'll give you all the details there.
5: Sure, I just want to make sure it was possible and not wasting my time. But- yeah, it is possible.
1: It's going to be a, it's a, it's a chore. I was surely enough. I would look for somebody that has that shrub for sale and buy one and plant it rather than trying to propagate. It's just a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of slip between tongue, tongue. And- tongue and lip, and so I think it would be easier just to find the plant and, and plant it. It's 758 at News Talk WSB, my number 404 8720750 We'll be back after news.